0: Now, when you heard I was going to preach on a couple of the doctrines of the Bible, justification and sanctification, I'm sure the thought went through some of your minds, well, these are going to be boring sermons. When you hear the word doctrine, you, you, you think about you know the basic things that we believe and say, you know, you can't make a very dynamic or humorous or any uh, exciting sermon out of those things. But I would submit to you that every once in a while, a pastor needs to remind his folks uh, uh, about the doctrines that we believe in, about what we believe. In fact, the Apostle uh, Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, continue in the Father, grounded and settled. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. It's important to know what we believe. It's important to be grounded in the doctrines of this book. And again, not, let me just give you four reasons. This is not my message. I, I'm going to preach on justification, and I'll tell you what my outline is in just a minute. But it, 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 we, we need to know what we believe because when we know what we believe, we can define our faith. We can tell somebody what we believe. And we need to believe it not just because mom and dad believed it, not just because grandpa and grandma believed it, not just because the pastor believed it. We need to believe it because we've got into this book and the Holy Spirit of God has put it on our heart and put it on our mind and convicted us that what is there is true. And so we need to to, to be able to back it up with Scripture. We need to be able to talk about it and tell other people, this is what I believe, and I believe it because it comes from the Bible. It also helps us defend what we believe. The only way we know what not to believe is to know what to believe. Uh, Paul warned in 2 Timothy, For the time will come, and by the way, I think that time is here today. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. The doctrines of the faith are under attack today. They're taking, they've are taking they actually published Bibles where they've taken the blood out of the Bible. They publish hymn books where they've taken every hymn that talks about the blood out of the hymn books. They publish Bibles that say that Mary was a young maiden and not a virgin, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning. Uh, And so we need to be careful because they are attacking the doctrines of the faith. And it's just not those that attack it in a big way. There are those that will come and twist it just a little bit and just take a little bit out of it. And Paul talked about them, or Jesus warned about them in Matthew when he says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And so if they twist it just a little bit, if we don't know what we believe, we'll get off base. And if you move a little bit at a time, pretty soon you've moved a long way. Better it is to know what you believe and stand on what you believe and not move at all. And so we can we can define it, we can defend it, and then we can distribute it. The greatest motivation in sharing our faith is to know what we needed as mankind and to know how Jesus met that need and how he met it for us. And, to, and, to, and that's the greatest motivation that we have. We, we, we need to say, like, like Peter and John, I can't help but talk about the things that I've seen and experienced in my own life. They told them to quit preaching about Jesus, and they said, we can't. They said, like the prophet Jeremiah, if I try to hold it in, I'm going to explode. i got to tell you what Jesus has done for me. And the more that we know and have fixed in our mind what God did for us, When we were sinners, the more apt we'll be to share it. And then number four, it'll help us demonstrate it. It'll help if we know these doctrines, if we know what we believe, like the doctrine of sanctification that we're going to talk about tonight. Look, God has some expectations for us when we get saved. He has some expectations on how we need to live our Christian life. He's put it in this book. And the only only way that we know what those expectations are, are to stay in this book. And we'll talk about that tonight. So, this morning, I'm going to talk about the doctrine of justification. Justification. I have four points, so I'm going to do four things. Justification. What is it? What is it? Number two, justification. Why do we need it? Why do we need it? Number three, justification. How do we get it? How do we get it? And then number four, justification, what are the benefits? What are the benefits of justification? So number one, justification, what is it? Justification is an act of God that allows you and I to stand before God righteous. To stand before God. It's an act of God. That allows you and I as sinners to stand before God sinless. And so I stand. When I have been justified, I stand before the holy God. I stand before the creator God. I stand before the omniscient God who knows everything. I stand before the omnipotent God, the all-powerful God. I stand before the, I'm, I'm the present God, the God that is everywhere. I stand before the God of God's, righteous, perfect, sinless. I stand before that God without ever having told a lie, without ever having committed an evil deed, without ever having a wicked thought. I stand before that God measured up to his standard, measured up to the glory of God, measured up to the mark of Christ, measured up uh, to, to to his goodness. I stand before God justified. Just as if I've never sinned. That's an easy way to remember what justification is. That you stand before God just like you never sinned. You say, "You say, preacher, well how do I do that? Don't get ahead of me. Stay with me. I'll tell you how you get that in just a second. But justification is standing before God. It's an act of God that allows us to stand before him just as if we've never sinned. Sinless. Sinless. Okay, so that's what it is. Number two, justification. Why do we need it? Why do we need it? Why do we need it? Because we're all sinners. And we read from Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay, now pay attention. I want to ask you some questions to make this point. When a dog has babies, what does a dog have? Somebody tell me. Puppies. Good. When a cat has babies, what does a cat have? Kittens. Kittens. When a bird has babies, what does a bird have? Birdies. 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 (laughs) When a sinner has babies, what does a sinner have? Sinners. Say it with me. When a sinner has babies, what does a sinner have? Sinners. Sinners. All of us are the offspring of Adam. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All of us were in Adam's loins when he reached out and took that forbidden fruit and ate it. He ate it in direct disobedience to God. Sin came into his life, and because we're all descendants from Adam, sin came into our life. That's why in the book of Romans chapter 3 it says, There is none righteous, no not one. And I don't have the time this morning, but you can go back to Romans chapter 3, and you can begin reading in verse 11, and read down through verse 18. And the apostle Paul describes our state as a sinner. He describes our, our life as, as a sinner. And so, why do we need the righteousness of God? Because on our own, if we were to stand before God, we would stand as sinners. We would stand as people missing the mark. We would stand as people that have fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, And and, and we might try to come into His presence and offer up our goodness, but the Bible says all of our goodnesses, all of our righteousnesses in His sight are as filthy rags. It's filthy rags. And I was thinking about this yesterday. Not the dust rag of the housewife, not the spill rag of the painter not the grease rag of the mechanic but the blood bloody pus-filled mud-cake rag of the leper the rag that, that wrapped up his, his open sores on his body that sucked up the blood and the pus that was thrown in the dirt was mud caked. That's the kind of filthy rag that when we stand before God with our righteousnesses, that's what he sees. Because we're all sinners. There's none righteous, no not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says the wages of that sin is death to be separated from him. To spend an eternity apart from him. And and, and the Bible says that, that the only thing that we can do to pay for our sins is to die and to be separated from God forever and ever and ever and ever. That's why I need God's righteousness. Because I have none of my own. That's why you need the righteousness of God. Because you have none of your own. You say, preacher, hey, you hardly know me. I'm a pretty good person. Well, that may be. You may be a wonderful person. And you may try to live your life in a way that's pleasing to God. But I want to tell you, when the Bible says all have sinned and sh- come short of the glory of God, you're not the exception. I mean, it excludes nobody. I mean, God looks into our heart. He just doesn't look at what we do on the, on the outside. He looks at what goes on on the inside. And there's no thought. There's no, no, no thought at all that God is not aware of. And when God says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God... He knows what he's talking about because he sees things that we cannot see as human beings. What is justification? It's an act where I am declared righteous in the sight of God. Why do I need it? Because I have no righteousness on my own. I'm a sinner. As a sinner, I deserve to be separated from God. I don't deserve to stand in his presence. As a sinner, I can't stand in his presence. That's why man was cast up from the presence of God in the Garden of Eden. That's why no sinner can come into the presence of God. That's why there will be no sin in heaven. A holy, righteous God cannot tolerate sin. That's why we need the righteousness of God. All right, number three, how do we get it? How do we get it? We read in verse 24, being justified freely, freely. The justification of God doesn't cost us a thing. It was costly to God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, the Bible says, For ye are bought with a price. A price had to be paid for our sin. God's, a, God's a, a, a holy, righteous God, and He cannot just overlook our sin. He cannot just uh, t- t- uh, He cannot just pass over. A lot of people think that they're going to go to hell for a while, but sooner or later, God, in His mercy, will reach down and take them out of hell and just overlook their sin. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that, the only, that, 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 that sin has to be paid for. God's not going to overlook it. He is not sometime in the future just going to forgive everybody. That's what some people would like to think, but that's not how God operates. He's not going to change. He said in Malachi, I am the Lord, I change not. And there's never going to come a time when God will say, oh, let's just forget it. Everybody just come to heaven and we'll just live as one happy family. That's not the way God works. The wages of sin is death. And there was a price that had to be paid. And the price of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Somebody had to die for my sin. Somebody had to die for your sin. We could either do it ourselves and spend eternity apart from God, or God could send somebody to die in our place. And that's exactly what he did when he sent Jesus Christ earth we talked about his birth this morning in sunday school he was born like no other he lived like no other he was tempted in all points like as we yet without sin and yet god allowed us as mankind to take him nail him to a cross and as he hung on that cross god took every one of my sins and he took every one of your sins man i can get excited about this he took all of our sins my sin not in part but in whole and he put them on jesus christ And when Christ died on Calvary, he paid for every sin. And he offers that payment to us, not because we deserve it. Not because we're such good people. He offers that payment to us as an act of grace. In the book of Ephesians, Paul writes, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That word redemption talks about a time in Paul's day when somebody would come to the slave auction and they would pay the price of a slave and then set that slave free. And so we have been justified. In other words, we have been made To stand in the presence of God just like we've never sinned because somebody redeemed us. Because somebody paid the price that we owed and that somebody was Jesus Christ. So he died for my sin. He paid the price for your sin. He suffered the penalty of sin for you. And because Jesus did that if i come to him and i believe what he did for me on calvary if i receive it for myself if i ask him to save me then god does something he justifies me he lets me stand before him without sin he lets me stand before him just as if i've never sinned so what are the benefits number 4 what are the benefits of justification I want to mention three this morning. I'll go to Romans chapter 5. You don't need to turn to it. But in Romans chapter 5, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have, first of all, peace with God. I have peace with God. You see, before I was justified, I was at war with God. I was sin, and He was righteousness. I was sin, and He was holy. I was sinned, and he could not tolerate sin in his presence. I could not have peace with God in my sin. But when I have been justified by God, and again, an act of God that lets me stand before him righteous, I can have peace with him. Peace is not just the cessation of hostility. Peace is having a relationship with him a relationship of love, a relationship of friendship, a relationship of oneness. So what's the results of justification? I have peace with God. Number two, I have access. By whom also we have access by faith. Because I'm justified, I can come into the presence of God. One day I'm going to do that when, when, I, when my, either by way of the rapture or when my body grows old and tired and dies. I'm going to come into the physical presence of God. But you know what? I don't have to wait till I die to come into the presence of God. I can come into the presence of God anytime I want to. I can come into the presence of God and I can just praise him. I can come into the presence of God and I can love on Him. I can come into the presence of God. In fact, He invites me to come boldly before the throne of grace and make my petitions known unto Him. I can come into the presence of God. In fact, the presence of God never leaves me. It never leaves me. He says, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. The only reason that I don't recognize the presence of God is I forget to think about it and know that He's with me all the time. But he's with me. I am in the presence of God at all times. There's not a moment in my life I spend apart from the presence of God. I get that because of justification. So I have peace. I have presence. And here's the third thing. Wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. (laughs) Here's the best part. about. I shouldn't say that. This is just as good as the rest of them. But this is, this is a wonderful part. I have my hope in God for heaven. The hope of glory. I can only have that hope if I'm justified. I can't have that hope in my sin because no sin will enter into heaven. I cannot have that hope in, in, in my unrighteousness because no unrighteousness will enter into heaven. I have the hope of glory, the hope of the glory of God, only because I can stand before him just as if I've never sinned. This world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me to heaven's golden shore, and I'm not at home in this world anymore. So, let me ask you this morning, how do you stand before God? How do you stand before God? I mean, if we, could, if we could enter into the courts of heaven and we could go before the throne of grace in a literal way this morning, would we all be able to go? See, the only ones that would be able to go are those that have been justified. The only ones that will be able to go are those that have trusted Jesus Christ and what he did for us on Calvary and have been declared righteous by God. Again, not for anything that we did, but because of what he did for us. If you're here this morning and if and, and, and if we could go into heaven and you would stand before God in your own righteousness, you wouldn't get in. You wouldn't get in. Because our own righteousness in his sight is as filthy rags. But if you have been justified, the Bible says that you are dressed in the righteousness of Christ and can go and stand before God justified, just as if you've never sinned. We sing that song, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan." Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Have you found that? If there's just one person here this morning that's never received Jesus Christ as their Savior, would you this morning? Would you put aside all the excuses that you've used up to now? Look, this this is not what I'm saying. This is what this book is saying. This is what God's saying. This is his way. Would you come to Jesus Christ this morning? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for this, this thing that we call justification. Thank you that most people here this morning, that if we were able to go into the courts of heaven, we could stand before you justified. Again, not because of our acts, but because of what you did for us. And again, I pray, Father, if there's just one person here that's never received Christ and doesn't know what it is to be justified, that in a moment when we sing this invitation song, they would come and we could take the Bible and show them from the Bible what it is to receive Christ and to be justified. Help us as Christians this morning to rejoice once again what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to never take it for granted. Help us to never ignore it. Help us to always be grateful for what you did for us. An act of mercy. An act of grace. And so I pray, Father, that you bless this time of invitation. Speak to our hearts. Help us to be obedient. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.